Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Sports World's Premier League Preview Podcast. I'm Barney Corker. I'm here with Pascal Lemaire to run through all 10 of this weekend's fixtures. We're back after the international break and the transfer window is now closed, something I'm sure a select few managers will be delighted with. For the first time this season, they can focus fully on matters on the pitch and the upcoming game week sees the league's top two teams go head-to-head, as well as arguably the biggest fixture in English football as Manchester United hosts Liverpool. We start at Goodison Park, though, where Everton hosts Chelsea and repeated one of the games of last season. Start with the visitors, Pascal. Terrible start to the season and another defeat last time out. Certainly has been a poor start. You know, very dominant to the title last season, weren't they? But yeah, like you say, a very poor start. Only that one win at West Brom when it was 3-2. You know, that's a disappointing result in itself. You know, you should be... You see City go and win their 3-0 very comfortably in Chelsea, you know poor in that game weren't they only just about got the win and their first time game they drew at home to Swansea and then last time out at home to Palace you know Mourinho has barely ever lost at home you know when he's Chelsea manager and losing 2-1 I know Palace have had a good start to the season everyone's talking about how good their squad is but still to lose at home like that is, they, they don't want to lose at home to anyone let alone Palace who are you probably say sort of a mid to sort of high mid-table sort of side so that was a very disappointing result you know Falcao got his goal which is a good thing but it's another defeat now falling behind City in the race uh, in, the, in the title race and you have to say that they really need to just go on a run of wins you feel because falling that far behind already it's been very poor yeah you have to say the international break probably came at a good time for them didn't it they are already eight points behind City it is early in the season but that's a big gap especially with City in such good form City overcame a similar gap last season but Chelsea need to improve they can't let that gap get much bigger if they, if they still want to be in the title race by October, December so they, they, I think they've only picked up four points in the first four games which is the worst start since 95-96 worst start of the Abramovich era it has been a really worrying start and even stretching back we think last season they cruised to the title but in 2015 they haven't really played well in the Premier League there was that one game they beat Swansea 5-0 where they were superb but apart from that they haven't played well with this calendar year they they sort of limped over the line last season they ended up winning by a fair distance but they weren't blowing teams away like they were in the first half of last season and defensively I think only Sunderland have conceded more goals already this season John Terry was suspended for the last match Ivanovic has started the season in poor form really bad form and even going forward, the key players aren't firing. Hazard's seven Premier League games without a goal now, which is second longest run of his career. Those key players who fired them to the title last season, defensively they're built on such solid foundations. And going forward, they had the flair of the likes of Hazard. It's just not happening for them at the moment. It's certainly not. And I think when you look at their squad, you think they should still have a squad good enough to challenge for the title. Like you say, just a lot of those players that were so good last season. I know Fabregas is one who's been sort of especially poor for me. Like, he, he was brilliant last season, such a good signing, but he hasn't started the season where, like I said, Hazard. I think obviously Pedro's a great signing, but they did seem to really struggle in the transfer window, didn't they? I'm not sure they necessarily needed uh, certain players. They should still, from back to front, you should still say they've got one of the strongest squads in the league. But you know the whole Stones pursuit, that not paying off, and then they sign you know Gilabodji from Nantes, and he's not been registered for the Champions League squad, so he's clearly not you know, a key option for Mourinho and I think I saw a report that maybe sort of Newcastle and I think it might have been Southampton turned him down so you sort of feel it was a bit des- desperate to sign him they went for Michael Hector from Reading who's a very good young defender but they've loaned him back to Reading uh, for the coming season so he's not going to play a part and you just felt obviously Pedro was a great signing to get him from uh, sort of ahead of Manchester United but apart from that there wasn't too much there but I think for Mourinho it's more about getting his best players sort of playing their best again because they certainly have started the season the whole team started slowly def- like you say defensively letting too many goals you know, Costa's blowing hot and cold, as are their best player, like the best player in the Premier League for me last season. He hasn't been at his best. So I think for Mourinho, it's just more about you know getting their players firing and they should start to climb the table. Stones, as you mentioned, was the big pursuit. Obviously, he'll be playing against them most likely this weekend. He's made a really good start to the season for Everton. I think it was crucial they kept hold of him, helped them to another clean sheet last time out against Tottenham. That was They were quite fortunate to get away with the draw in that one. They needed Howard. He was man of the match. Made a few really good saves from Tottenham and... Tottenham, they really had the chances to win that Harry Kane, especially through on goal, one-on-one with Howard, and Howard stood up well to make the save. 
Everton didn't really give much in the final third themselves. It was a bit of a, a nothing display for them, really, which is a bit disappointing because they made, they made a mixed start to the season, but generally been a lot more encouraging than a lot of fans would have thought after the summer they had. They weren't impressive in pre-season. Transfer window wasn't a great window for them, so... They had made a decent start to the season, all things considered. Obviously, that win against Southampton was really impressive. The performance against Tottenham wasn't good. Wasn't good. It was one of their worst of the season so far, but they still managed to get a point out of it, and they'll be happy if they can get a point out of this one as well, I think. Yeah, it was a decent point of Spurs, wasn't it? Like I said about the window, I think you can sort of almost compare these two sides that basically their whole squad is pretty much the same as last season. They're going to be playing near enough the same eleven that played last season, and certainly with Chelsea, whereas they haven't been performing anywhere near as well, Everton have. You know, Everton were poor in the league last season. They have been performing better. You know, when Lukaku's on form, they're a much, you know, much, much better side. And apart from, because even Lennon, sort of that deadline day signing, he was actually there for the second half of last season, wasn't he? So he's, he won't even feel like a new player, sort of. So it's basically the same squad there. They signed some players from South America, um, Mori and the young striker. I can't quite remember his name. I think it's Rodriguez, but. Those are the kind of players who are not going to have necessarily an impact this season. I think Rodriguez especially might play in the under-21s and sort of, if he does impress though, he might get a chance. But it's like like with Chelsea, if Everton's best players are really, you know, best players who have a lot of Premier League experience, if they're fit and firing, then they should, you know, do well this season. I think Everton, you know, Barkley, he always impresses me when he plays. I know sometimes he doesn't make the right decision, but he's one of England's brightest young players. When Lukaku's firing like he was that game at Southampton, he's almost unstoppable, running, heading the ball. So... I think they have got a really good team there, but they've failed to score in their last two Premier League games and they haven't gone through without a goal for almost 10 years now. So that's something they want to put right. But I think on the whole, Everton, they'll be fairly pleased with their start because their fixtures, even the ones coming and the fixtures they've already had, it's been a really difficult start for them. Goals certainly weren't a problem last time. These two teams met at Goodison Park, 6-3 to Chelsea. Incredible game. See more drama this time around? I think, yeah, I think there could be goals in this one. I know the Everton fans, they're really looking forward to sort of Chelsea coming because they're going to sort of you know sing all the John Stones songs and try and you know take the mick out of the fact they couldn't get Stones from them. But I think it could be a really good atmosphere and a lot of goals in this one. So I'm going to say a two-two draw. Yeah, I think it's quite a tough one to call Chelsea. I still can't back against them, even though they made such a poor start to the season. I think international break, as I mentioned, came at a good time. Mourinho would have had a few of his players in the ones that haven't been away on international duty and sort of got them sorted on the training ground. I think. I'm going to back Everton haven't been great at home recently I think I'm going to back a Chelsea win for this one so I'm going to go 2-1 for Chelsea to go for a Chelsea victory and a draw Okay, doke let's move on to the 3pm kickoffs on Saturday starting at the Emirates with Arsenal against Stoke Barnes will start with Arsenal before the international break they picked up a 1-0 win at Newcastle it wasn't the most convincing win ever it was one-sided completely one-sided there was only ever one team in it especially Newcastle got the early red card for Mitrovic a silly red card they were very ill-disciplined in that match Newcastle were but even before that when it was 11 versus 11 Arsenal were the better side they were putting under pressure it was pretty much one-way traffic then as well that just exacerbated that for the rest of the game and it was comp- they, they were completely dominant Cruel was the man of the match for Newcastle despite ending up on the losing team but at the same time Arsenal needed an own goal to win that match and They'll be disappointed considering how how much they dominated, that they didn't create more chances than they managed to. Because there's no doubt that they deserve to win the match. They should have won it more comfortably considering how one-sided it was. They couldn't really find a way through the Newcastle defence. They defended very well as they did against Manchester United the week before that. As I say, Krull had a really good game. And then for that for the match to be decided on deflected own goal, it will be disappointing because Wenger will want to see more creativity from his side, especially with the likes of Walcott was given a chance to start up front. He should have got a couple of goals. I, I personally think he's better in from the right. I know he prefers in the central role, but every time he starts in that central role, he, he doesn't seem to do it for me. I, I certainly don't think he's the answer to Giroud not being the man to fire them to the title. Walcott's runs in from the right for me always look a, a lot more dangerous. He's sort of England in midweek. He was very good against San Marino when he came off the bench, scored two goals like that. So I, for, for me, I think he's better from the right. I think Giroud's better in the middle, but still those two I don't think they've got the firepower and all the creativity to really unlock a defence like Newcastle's when they pack men behind the ball as they did I think that's the big problem isn't it for Arsenal the fans you know they're the only team in the top five European leagues not to sign an outfield player all they signed you know before deadline day was pair check and goal who good signing for it they didn't you feel they probably did need a, a more experienced goalkeeper but to not sign any outfield players very disappointing I think we've touched on it so many times before about whether Giroud is good enough whether Walcott's good enough to sort of lead your strike force and 
I think in terms of those forward thing, forward areas, you know, all the players behind the striker and sort of out wide as well, I think they, they are strong enough there. I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain's really impressed me of late. You say Walcott's impressed you out on the right, but I think it's more in those, it's that defensive midfield area for me. I, mean, I know Coquelin came in last season and, and for me, he still impresses me when I watch him play Coquelin. He's really good at breaking up the play, but you look at the other players they've got there. I mean, Arteta and Flamini as their sort of two other sort of holding midfielders, that's just not good enough for me. I think they needed to maybe get rid of Flamini and bring in another sort of defensive midfielder there because for me they are light there and unless they, they really need someone like that I think you look at the other teams they always they really have that stopper there and although Coquelin does impress you know you wonder if he's going to be able to keep up this form over a whole season maybe he can but if not then you feel they probably needed someone else there and a striker as well I know the striker is the one that all the Arsenal fans want but they couldn't get that and to, to have such a quiet window I mean they've still got a great squad Arsenal and you probably say if they can you know, go on one of those winning runs and get to the top and maybe hold their position. They might have a chance, but you just feel it's a bit more same old story really with them. They haven't quite done enough and their squad doesn't look as good as City or Chelsea. I know Chelsea had a bad start, but it just doesn't look as good as the other teams for me. Yeah, for me it was that striker role, the, the most important one. If they were able to get in a world-class striker, I would have had them pushing for the title. I think Czech, as you mentioned, it was a really good sign. I think it will get them quite a few points this season, but they, they needed something more to only bring in Czech. I think was will prove to be a mistake. I don't th- I don't see them challenging for the title now. I think one thing that might be worrying Arsene Wenger at the moment is their home form because they're usually so strong at the Emirates. They go through the, on these winning runs where they seem unbeatable at home, but they've only won one of their last six now, stretching back to last season at home. They failed to score in five of those without a goal this season, without a win this season in front of their own fans. That needs to improve. They got. A tricky run coming up. They've got Manchester United, Everton and Tottenham in the next three home games. Bayern Munich thrown in there as well in the Champions League. So they're going to need to improve that. This is a good chance to do that. They've got a fantastic record against Stoke. A better record, home record against Stoke than against any other team in their history at, at the moment. So they'll be confident of improving that and getting that first win under their belts. But that is important because their home form is usually always the bedrock. If, if they are going to put a title challenge in, they need a really solid home form because you know, well, obviously Chelsea lost the Crystal Palace, but you know Chelsea are going to have a good one and City certainly are going to have a good one this season. Yeah, their home results haven't been great so far. You know, that loss to West Ham and then the draw with Liverpool. But, I mean, certainly Stoke here. I think Stoke will provide Stern Test because they're unbeaten away from home this season. They got two draws, came back uh, at Spurs, didn't they, from 2-0 down there, then, then drew at Norwich as well. But I think Stoke... It's kind of felt like a, a pretty good start to the season. There's a lot of positivity over the transfer window and all the signings they made. But, you know, they're still waiting for their first league win. You know, they've lost both their home games this season. Uh, the first game of the season at Liverpool, that was, you know, they matched Liverpool in that game and then lost to that Coutinho Sana. But then last time out against West Brom, it was a, a bit of an odd game, wasn't it? There was the two red cards. So they were down to nine men very early. You know, I think it was before half time, wasn't it, in that game? So that it was always an uphill battle. And then uh, Rondon scored in first half uh, injury time. And from then, you know, I think Stoke did pretty well to just keep it at one, to be honest. When you're down to nine men like that I know when you're at home if you're at home and you can put ten men behind the ball you, you shouldn't be able to you, you might be able to stop the opposition scoring but with nine men I would have, would have expected West Brom to go and get more goals but they couldn't do that so a 1-0 defeat there with nine men isn't too bad I don't think yeah, You mentioned their signings there and I think that's largely the reason there is still a bit of a feel-good factor against Stoke as you say winless in four games at the start of the season but to have got the likes of Shakiri particularly in, um, in during the summer it's such a big coup for the club I think I, th- I still think they're going to have a good season. They've got a decent run coming up. They've had a fairly tricky start. Obviously, Arsenal, not too many of them, too many fans will be expecting much from this game considering their record at the Emirates against Arsenal. But they've got Leicester, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Watford and Newcastle in five of their six games after this. So they'll fancy picking up a few points in that one. And if they can get themselves up towards mid-table, I can see them going on and pushing for Europe this season. Yeah, certainly. I think there's the one thing with Stoke is that you say... There's, there's things like that but there's so many other sides who kind of feel that way that might be able to push and sort of upset Liverpool and Spurs in those sort of fifth and sixth places you know Swansea have had a great start Palace you know they're up there as well so I think it, it should be really interesting seeing those teams really compete for those to try and get into the top six like that but what's your score prediction for this game? Well as I mentioned Arsenal record against Stoke at home they've won all seven Premier League encounters 13 in a row in all competitions which is more than they've ever managed against any other club I think it's going to be 14 personally I, th- I can't see Stoke getting anything out of this so I'm going to go for a fairly comfortable 2-0 Arsenal win I think yeah I completely agree I just can't see I think Arsenal given this break I think they should be able to come back fit and firing and they'll be desperate for that first home win so I think they'll win 2-0 as well so both see Arsenal winning this one 2-0 right on to Selhurst Park where Crystal Palace are hosting leaders Manchester City Top two in the league going head-to-head, Pascal. will start with the visitors, still 100% record after four games. Yeah, it's been a fabulous start for them, hasn't it? And I think it's kind of made especially better because of how some of their rivals for the title have struggled. You know, Chelsea especially, they've only won one of their you know games and they're already eight points behind, behind City. So I think City doing so well, but it's been made to look even better by, you know, Arsenal have looked a bit iffy as well. And I think 
you know you have to look at the way they've started. It's been so good, and so many of their players, you know, playing well. And I tell you, Aguero isn't he's yet to hit top form. He had a lot of chances, could have scored more against Chelsea, but you know he's yet to you know really sort of hit top form. And Sterling getting his first goal last time out, win over Watford. And I think that game against Watford. I think I mean I tipped him to win it four 0 I thought they'd really sort of run right there, but. I think Watford went there, you know, they'd drawn all three of their first games back in the top flight and just a fairly comfortable 2-0 win, wasn't it? It just took a while to break them down, but then Sterling did. Great finish from him, his first goal. And then Fernandinho as well, that's two now for him after he scored against Chelsea as well. So he's had a great start. And yeah, so many of their players back to front, you know, defensively, they're looking so good, aren't they? You know, Joe Hart's kept four clean sheets, defence, still no goals conceded. So they're doing so, so well. And I think for me, it sort of looks a bit like Chelsea last season. Now they're just, you know, dominating right from the off and no one really got close to Chelsea last season. I think City, they will slow down. Of course they will. They're not going to keep winning like this without conceding but it's more about whether an Arsenal or Chelsea or United or someone can really go and challenge them because at the moment they look you know, cut above everyone else Yeah, just the form they're in even stretching back to last season it's incredible they've never been in better form as a club even back to their glory days with Colin Bell and Summerby now they've won 10 Premier League fixtures in a row including last season Joe Hart said they want 10 this season as well if they make that then they'll break the Premier League record it's currently 14 wins in a row with Arsenal and the way they're playing at the moment you wouldn't put it past them doing that it's, one, it's already one of the best runs in Premier League history they've won four away Premier League, uh, Premier League games in a row and another uh, this weekend against Crystal Palace will make it five for the first time since 1912 so these are long standing records they're breaking they're just in imperious form at the moment Obviously, the teams are beat the early pace setters at the moment. The way they're playing, even though Palace, they'll be full of confidence at the moment. The way they're playing, they'll fancy their chance of quite comfortably winning most games because they're just, by far and away, in the first four games, they've been the best team in the league so far. Mm. And those four first four games, they've been out there, record signing, who joined, you know, Kevin De Bruyne. He's now come in and, yeah, I think he's a great signing. You know, I mean, those stats he had for Wolfsburg last season, I think it was like 20 goals, 20 assists almost that he had for Wolfsburg. Great for him. It didn't work out when he first came to England with Chelsea, but, I mean, I think he's going to slot in really well on that right-hand side. We've mentioned it before that we thought Navas was probably just the weakest link in their team on the right on the right wing there but if he goes in over there you know I think him and Sterling as well will probably be able to switch more I think Navas is more of a sort of you know right side only kind of winger but I think Sterling and De Bruyne now there could be a bit of variation there you know Sterling they could switch sides and that just offers defenses more problems and he'll come in that's they're strong you look at the their transfer window you know Fab Delft's come in he's barely you know played at all and you know got injured in pre-season then injured after 20 seconds for England in midweek so you know, he hasn't quite you know, come into the side and Otamendi as well spent all that money on that defender who was tipped to go to United and he can't get a look in because of how well they're defending with her. You know, Mangala's been brilliant, very iffy last season, but he's been great and they just look so strong and it's hard to imagine unless, you know, as they could say, get key players injured. Say if, you know, I know Aguero's had his trouble in the past, if he gets injured that might just give hope to the others. But from top to bottom they look so strong and for me, you know, the window's been good, they've kept, you know, pretty much all their good players, signed class ones like De Bruyne and Sterling, so they just look so strong. I think the big thing for them now is um, putting that form into the European competition. Obviously, that's the next frontier that they need, they want to conquer. And they've got Juventus, real tough game last season's runners-up in their first Champions League game coming up. But looking ahead to this week, they're, they're coming up against the Crystal Palace team will be full of confidence. Obviously, it's been a very tough start to the season for them. They had Chelsea last week, but they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Only Mourinho's second loss in 100 home league games as Chelsea manager. Fantastic performance from Chelsea. Could have even been up from Crystal Palace. Sorry, could have even been more for them. They had the chances. Kabay had a really good chance to score as well. And for them to, to go ahead and then be pegged back and then go ahead again just shows us the character they've got in the team. Sacco has really impressed me since he's come into the side. He got the first goal for them. Belassi came on at half-time and made a difference down the wing. They've got a lot of dangerous players. Not sure what um, Ward was doing in the box in the, in the 84th minute, I think it was, to head home, but he was there to put it away. They've got goals throughout the team uh, now, and they've got danger men throughout the team as well. They'll, they'll fancy their chances against any side they come up against, even a side of Manchester City's form at the moment. Certainly, and I think some most of their goals this season haven't been scored by strikers, have they? Mm. They've now lost uh, Glenn Murray to Bournemouth, and it's just the, the dangerous sort of wing players they've got, and they're especially good away from home, aren't they? They've averaged 2.4 points since Alan Pardew came in away from home. You know, that's, that's such a good record compared to 1.3 at home under him, so if they can just improve that home form but I think you know the, the reason for their so good they're so good away from home is all these counter-attacking players you know Sacco's done so well like you said but I think for this game if anything because of the way City have started the season and how good they've looked even though it is at Selhurst Park it might feel like an away game in terms of 
how Palace set up because they know City are going to have more of the ball and if anything it might suit them more because of how strong they have been away from home so that's a good thing for them you look at the transfer window they had they've you know Yedinak was linked with sort of a move away to Stoke I know since Gabay's come in he hasn't played perhaps as much as he did last season he's still the club captain I think it's a good thing they've kept him and they lost Glenn Murray but kept Dwight Gale and you just look at it and you think they've done pretty well there and Sacco for me I wasn't sure how he translates to the Premier League he's so good in the Championship so explosive but he can sort of you know lose his way a bit sometimes but so far he's looked really switched on and been really really good for them and if he's keeping sort of Balassi out of the team or Zahar if he can keep either of them out of the team that's really impressive because last season those two were great so Palace look good you know up second in the table they're doing really well and um, I wonder what the, the aim is for them now is it top six you know or just sort of around seventh or eighth I mean the way they're going they should push for top six maybe so obviously both made great starts this season which way do you see this one going um, I think you've got to go for City haven't you just because of how strong their start's been to the season I think even though Palace have been great, we've said about how much better they are away from home. And Selhurst Park, they haven't won anywhere near enough games as they should really since Pardew came in. So I think City will just have too much than the Emirates for a two-one away win. Yeah, I agree with that. It's quite interesting with Palace, isn't it? Because Selhurst Park, there's a great, there's always a great atmosphere in there. There's a bit of a, a thought that there is a bit of a, a fortress, but it's not really when you look at their record. As you mentioned, this may be a bit more like an away game for them in terms of how they set up. But I still think you can't really back against City in this form. So I'm going to agree with that two-one victory. So both going for 2-1 victories for Man City here. So it could be 5 out of 5 for City. Let's go to Carrow Road where we have the first meeting between two newly promoted teams as Norwich take on Bournemouth. Barnes, let's start with Bournemouth. Last time out at home to Leicester, a 1-0 draw. Yeah, decent result considering the way Leicester started the season. First three games, Leicester was so impressive, weren't they? Obviously, Riyad Mahrez, top scorer in the league going into that game. So for Bournemouth to get a point out of that before the game, they probably would have taken that. After the game... The late goal, the late man of um, Leicester's equaliser, that would be disappointing to take. It was a penalty all day long, there's no complaints about that, and Vardy obviously stuck it away. But to concede so late on, it's always going to be disappointing. Especially if they took the lead through Wilson's fantastic goal, his fourth goal in two games, and eighth and ten, so he's in good form, which is it's going to be really important for them. He's risen through the ranks very quickly in the league, so there were questions whether he'd be able to make the step up to the Premier League, but he started well, and if he can keep on firing, then that will go a long way to help Bournemouth keeping safe in the Premier League but as a result it's a, it's a decent one for them I think the match they might they may feel they could have got all three points there was a lot of incidents in the match the referee was very busy Bournemouth could have had a, a penalty late on themselves Leicester could have had another penalty even later than the one they did get so Robert Hoot could have got sent off for Leicester he kicked the ball at Wilson then palmed off Tyrone Mings in the face so there's a lot of things which could have gone another way which might have put them in, uh, tilted it maybe in Bournemouth's favour maybe in Leicester's favour on a couple of occasions so a one or draw they'll be pr- pretty pleased with that I think I think they will be you mentioned about Wilson there. I think the one thing with him is that he's I think I would have said that him and Troy Deeney would compare quite well coming up from the Championship last season. I would have thought that maybe, I honestly thought Deeney might adapt quicker to the Premier League than Wilson, but you have to say Wilson's doing really well and he's sort of a really positive sign for them, but the real negative for me is, you know, well, they had two serious injuries in that game. You know, Gradle was probably going to be out for six months now. He's done ligaments in his knee and I think Mings as well. Mings has done his medial and anterior cruciate ligaments. So he's out for about 12 months. Things so he's not even going to play this season. He was their record signing, eight million from Ipswich. You know, I mean, he hadn't been, really been in the team that much because he only came on against Leicester after Daniels, um, their first choice left back, went off injured. So they sort of lost two left backs in that game. Real blow. But I think Gradle's the one that they're going to miss more because he sort of got off to a slightly slow start. You know, he'd been great for Saint Etienne in League One last season, but then in the sort of last sort of two three games, he'd really sort of come to the fore with a lot of assists for this. I think he'd set up three of their. Uh, previous five goals I think it was so he'd really started to play well and for him to lose him like that is just an absolute crushing blow because he looked really good and if he'd started to sort of warm back to England you know he kept getting better they could have been a real force going forward because they've got so many good players Matt Ritchie Callum Wilson so many great players going forward but to lose Gradle like that and Mings I think Gradle more than Mings but to lose Gradle was such a big blow Yeah massive blow for them obviously they moved to temper that a bit in the transfer market on deadline day by bringing in uh, Glenn Murray they're always in the market for a striker they talk about grabbing coming from Norwich but that never materialised Glenn Murray I think it's quite a shrewd signing he's he's proven himself in, in the Premier League he, he can get a few goals and even if he doesn't start ahead of Wilson he, he's a good player to come on and he's a good penalty box striker and he weigh in with a few goals throughout the season for Bournemouth I think they've, they've impressed so far they've impressed me away from home I think at home they've got the I've mentioned it before, sort of the cup mentality, they, they get the fans behind them, but away, the way they play, I think suits uh, being away from home on the counter-attack quite a lot. I've, they've scored eight goals in the last two uh, away games, in, including the League Cup. 
which is a fantastic record, four against West Ham United, and we know how well they've done against Arsenal and Liverpool, so that's a very good result for them. And they played well against Liverpool against uh, at Anfield as well, obviously hit the post through Matt Ritchie in that game, perhaps deserve something out of that match. So they'll be very pleased with how they started the season away from home particularly, and they'll be confident of getting something out of this one, I think. Yeah, I think this is, they'll certainly maybe approach this one slightly differently, whereas you go to, say, Anfield, and you know you're not going to see as much of the ball here. They're playing a side who finished below them in the Championship last season. It, it, this will be a much more evenly matched game, I think. And Norwich, they come into this, they've had a fairly decent start to the season, I think. You know, they've struggled to sign as the players they wanted, but I think the start of the season, if you look at their results, it hasn't been too bad. Last time out, though, before the international break was their worst performance of the season. They go to Southampton, 3-0 defeat there very very disappointing because they'd had some you know they could have easily picked up more points than they got from their first three games but then go to Southampton you know sort of behind right from the off and then Stephen Whitaker gets sent off in the first half you know two silly bookings you could argue that maybe they were perhaps a bit harsh but you can see why they were both given that's where especially when you're a team like Norwich who you know is going to be struggling to stay up all season you just can't it's just decisions that you just the manager just has to say that that's the th- what he must drill into his players. Please don't do anything stupid because it can really cost us, and it certainly did against Southampton. They held out right until just before half-time when Pele scored and then Tadic with the two goals in the second half, but they were never going to get back into that game after conceding the first. And Yeah, they'll certainly just... Hu- I mean, the international break came, so now they've had two weeks off to think about it, and a lot of their players won't necessarily be on international duty, so they've been working hard in training and they look to get back at it here. Yeah, during that international break, I don't think there's been too much to boost Norwich fans, really. I think... The chance window they had hasn't been a great one. Deadline day, they missed out on a lot of players. They missed out on a phobie, Gale, uh, Naismith. There was talk of Walters coming. They kept Hooper and Graben, but are they going to start? Obviously, Graben suspended by the club now over his behaviour, trying to engineer a move to Bournemouth. So whether those two will start, I'm not sure. Uh, ahead of Jerome, especially, who started the season fairly well. They've lost Bradley Johnson, their player of the season last season. I think that's a big blow. That's a bit of a surprise move to Derby. For him to drop down a division, I think he's good enough to succeed in the Premier League. So that was a surprise to me. They get Jarvis on loan, but he's not the type of uh, player who's just going like, to inspire a team. He's not going to weigh in with too many goals. He might get the odd assist, but he's not going to be the difference between them staying up and going down, I think. One thing that might be the difference there is their home form. They've started, they are still looking for their first home win of the season, but... They've played well in their two home games so far. I think they lost they lost the Palace three one on the opening day at home, but they deserve more from that. There was obviously mentioned Jerome's goal got ruled out. They've denied a penalty in that game. Perhaps deserve more from that one. And then the Stoke one, they got a draw there. Probably deserve more from that one as well. So they'll feel disappointed to have only got one point from a possible six from home. They'll look to rectify that, and if they can repeat their performances from those two games, then they'll stand a good chance. I think. Yeah, I think they'll certainly look at this one. Their first two games, you know, Palace and Stoke, two of those teams that we've talked about who might be pushing for the top six this season. So it's been a tough first two games at home. This one, perhaps more winnable. What's your score prediction? It's quite a tough one to predict, isn't it? Bournemouth, they have impressed me so far this season. Norwich will be looking to bounce back from the Southampton one, I think. That was a bit of an anomaly considering the red card. I can see this one being a fairly even game. I'm going to go for one all. Well, I think there'll be more goals than that. I think... You look at Bournemouth's last away game, that 4-3 win at West Ham, I think there could be not quite as many goals as that, but quite a lot of goals. I'm going to go for a 3-2 away win to Bournemouth, so we've got one draw and a Bournemouth win. Under the third of the newly promoted sides, now Watford hosting high-flying Swansea. Start with the visitors, Pascal still unbeaten after a fantastic win against Manchester United last time out. Yeah, it's been a brilliant start, hasn't it? You know they played Chelsea and United in you know two of their first four games. They got four points from those games. You know they draw at Chelsea on the opening day was fantastic, and then to beat United at home, so so impressive. You know they fell behind as well to one matter there, but the way they fought back, you know Gomez and Au again, the sort of two stars of the early part of the season, both on the score sheet again, such a good start for them. And you think now that. They really do look primed. You know, they're sitting fourth at the moment, but they do look primed to maybe sort of upset Liverpool and Spurs there in you know, fifth and sixth and maybe do what Southampton did last season. And if they can do that, I mean, I know last season was their record points haul in the Premier League. You know, Gary Monk last season, fantastic job, but just gone from strength to strength so far this season by the looks of things. And you have to say it's been a fantastic start for them. And if they could, you know, break into that top six, it would be such an achievement for a side like Swansea. Yeah, they certainly started very well. I think the key thing for them as the season progresses is are their best players going to keep up this sort of form obviously you mentioned Gomez and Ayu there both started the season so well Gomez got four in his first four games looking for four and five I think any four players or something have ever done that in Premier League history so that would be some feat he's got nine and ten stretching back to last season as well so he's in great form Ayu he's got three and four could have had four and four his assist for the for Gomez's goal against Manchester United the winner was superb as well he's just, he, he looks like a class by such a good piece of business from Swansea whose scouts seem to have done it again Shelby in the middle of the park he's, he's earned an England call up He for England he was man of the match against San Marino 
Torino, but when things got a bit tougher against Switzerland, he struggled a bit more. I think he's still learning at that level, but at Premier League level, he's really starting to have an influence now. And then further back, Ashley Williams has made a really good start to the season. So that Spain is doing so well for them so far. And the longer that can carry on, they'll, they'll fancy their chance of beating anyone in the form they're in at the moment. Certainly will do. And I think the big thing for Swansea is they got their business done early in the summer window. You know, you look at some of the other teams like you know, West Ham making all those signings on deadline day. But you look at Swansea, they had all that money from the Wilfred Bonney sale in January, but they got it done early. You know, AU came in early. You know, there's still a lot of the team there is pretty much the same side they had last season, but a lot of the other players, the fringe players, they got all of that business done early. So he's built sort of a you know, good, harmonious score. The only thing that really happened on deadline day was Nathan Dyer going to um, Leicester on a season-long loan. I think that would have surprised some people that Swansea let him go because he's certainly had his moments since they've come up to the Premier League. But I think now when you look at the other players, they've got you know, Montero's a class act down the wing. AU, like you've talked about, has had a great start. So I think Gary Monk might have just felt that you know, he probably wasn't going to get enough football as he wanted, and fair play to sending him out on loan because they could have kept him. You know, I think they've brought back um, Barrow from Blackburn. They've sort of brought him back as cover. I mean, Dyer could have been that cover. They could have kept him as cover, but you, know, you have to say fair play for just for allowing Dyer to go out and get more football at Leicester. So that's good. But so it's been a great start for Swansea. But I think the one thing, if you had to say them, if they were really going to sort of push the top six, they've got to improve on is you know, keeping teams you know shut out away from home. They've only kept one clean sheet in their last six uh, Premier League away games. So that's one thing they've got to improve on. But apart from that, you have to. Say on the whole, it's been a brilliant start. Yeah, they might have a good chance improving that against Watford. Watford's still looking for their first win of the season. It hasn't been a terrible start to the season for them. You know, they they lost to Manchester City last time out. No shame in that. We, people were predicting. I was predicting four five nil in that game, but the goal fest never really arrived. Watford did well to frustrate them for the first half. Always seemed like City were going to win that match, and eventually Sterling and Fernandinho score the goals to make sure they do. No surprises there, but. Watford, they'll take some positives out of that. They wouldn't have been expecting much going into that game. I think out of the three newly promoted sides, to be to be honest, all three have impressed me. Norwich probably should have had more points than they do have on the board. Bournemouth, probably the same actually. They played well in pretty much all of their games so far, and they've 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 both picked up wins. I think the most important thing now for Watford is to get that first win under the belt. You'd probably say out of the three newly promoted teams, they've been the least impressive so far, but. They've shown enough in these first few games, despite not picking up a win, to suggest that they'll put up a fight for survival this season. Yeah, definitely. I think the thing for them as well, as well as that first win, is scoring goals as well. Because on the first day of the season at Everton, they looked really dangerous in that game. You know, Everton weren't at their best, but Watford could have easily won that game. It was a two-all draw. They got two there, but since then, you know, they have struggled. In their last two games, they haven't even got a single shot on target. The 0-0 draw against Southampton and then at City. Not a single shot on target is... Surprising considering this is a team who were just outscoring teams for fun in the championship last season. You know, it's Troy Deeney hasn't started as well as many people would have thought. You see how well Callum Wilson's doing at Bournemouth. I thought Deeney might have done better than Wilson this season, but so far it's, it's proven the other way. But I think certainly, I mean, Igalo, he started well with that great goal against Everton, but he's gone a bit cold. And if, I mean, Deeney's played 90 minutes in every game, so obviously. Flores is the new manager. He's coming. He still trusts Dini. You know, still the um, sort of the standout striker up front, but he hasn't quite got his goal. And they've just signed so many new players. You know, fourteen new players. I think it is. They've signed the summer window, and you just wonder if it's going to be such a tough job for Flores to sort of gel those players together. And even on deadline day, they signed Guediora, who was great for them on loan uh, from Palace last season. They got Ulare, sort of a young Belgian striker who's been compared to Benteke, but he's he's being touted as one more for the future. And you think. At this stage, you probably need to sign players who are going to keep you in the league this first season. Whereas young players, Ulare, Ibarbo is another one they signed. You know, you think these kind of players, they might be sort of the odd impact player, but you wonder if all these foreign faces they've signed, you know, they've let, they've let players go like Angelo, their, their defender. I was surprised to see they let him go. I just don't know if they've quite signed the right players to keep you in the league. It's if they, I think they're trying to maybe do too much too soon, if, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I, want, I do worry about Watford a little bit. Contrasting fortune so far this season, then, which way do you see this one going? Um, I think I'm, I know Swansea have had a great start, but I think Watford might get a draw out of this one. I think I just think Watford, you know, they've had that two-week break now, and I think they still have got some a lot of quality players in that squad. So I think they might just get a point. Here. I'm going to go for one or draw. Well, Swansea have really impressed me. I, I can't really back against them at the moment. Watford still looking for that first win. Swansea unbeaten. I think Swansea might run out winners here again. Obviously, they've performed well against um, Chelsea already. They performed well against Manchester United coming from behind. I'm going to go for a two-nil Swansea victory here. So we're going for one Swansea victory and a draw. So, divided on that one. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Let's go to the Hawthorns where West Brom take on Southampton. Barnes of West Brom, there's only one place to start really, and that's the Sado Berahino saga. What do you make of it all? It's just a bit of a mess, isn't it? Berahino's obviously performed well last season for West Brom, but some of the money getting bandied about for him was quite ridiculous. £25 million, he hasn't really proved himself, I think. I always thought if Tottenham had put that money in, uh, put that offer in, then West Brom would accept it. But obviously Jeremy Peace, he's a hard bargainer. Even against Daniel Levy, didn't didn't give an inch. I think one of the biggest problems, by all accounts, was the fact that there's only about £5 million up front and then the rest in instalments, which when you consider how late the deal happened, wouldn't really have given West Brom any chance of going out and buying someone else. Obviously they brought Rondon and Lambert in this summer as, as cover just in case he did go, but... If they could keep hold of him, and uh, they would, they were obviously going to try and do that as much as they could. And I think after a certain point, they were never going to let him go. It's transfer deadline day, they wouldn't have let him go there. For him to tweet out that he's never going to play for the club again under Jeremy Peace, he'll advise. I think uh, to be kind to him, I think it was a, it was a, a stupid piece of work to be honest. Like especially under a manager like Tony Pulis, who's no nonsense. He's not going to take any of that. Pulis has stressed that he's still in his thoughts, but he needs to show the club a bit more respect, which he does He does need to do because they've nurtured him from a young age. I think Pulis, if, if any manager can um, put him into shape and get him reintegrated into the team, then he needs to. But it's going to take a bit of work. I'd, I'd be quite surprised if he starts this weekend, to be honest, because his teammates are bound to... Thick. He's gone. He must have gone down in their estimations a bit. Same with the fans. I saw James Morrison say he needs to respect the club a bit more. Which, when you got teammates coming out and publicly saying that, there's obviously a bit of a problem. So it might take a bit of time, but I think eventually he will come back into the side. He's too important not to, and it'll be a good piece of business. I think eventually them keeping hold of him, maybe selling him in January if there's still a bit of ill feeling, but it's just a bit of a mess and it needs to be sorted out soon. Definitely. Going back to sort of their last league result, they went to Stoke and they got their first win of the season. So, you know, poor sort of, you know, press in terms of the whole Berahino saga and all that kind of stuff. But last time out in the league before the international, but they did get a win. They went to Stoke. It was Pulis' first game back at the Britannia, I think, since he left, you know, in his previous sort of job at Palace. You know, he never quite went back there, but went back there, got a win. It was sort of, you know, not the most convincing win because Stoke went down to nine men in the first half. You know, both red cards, you'd probably say a bit harsh, but you can see why the referee gave both of them. And then, you know, Rondon gets his first goal uh, in first half uh, stoppage time. Good header from him as well. So, you know, it's good for him to get off the mark. But I think it will be disappointing for the club that they couldn't score another against nine men in the second half. I know you're still away from home and it's tough to break a team down when they put, you know, everyone they had behind the ball, but you still got two more players than they do. They should have been able to score another. And for them to only win 1 0 was disappointing. But still, it's their first, you know, first win of the season. I think now what they've got to do is improve their home form because you know, usually you say sides under Tony Pius they'd probably be pretty solid at home but recently if you stretch back to last season as well they've lost four of their last six uh, at home in the Premier League and in each of those defeats they've conceded three as well so you know, it's really unpulous like the amount of goals they've been conceding. You know that City game where they conceded three. I know against Chelsea they conceded three as well, and but they got, they scored two as well. But he's got they've got to try and defend better at home. And I think losing Lescott like they did to Aston Villa that won't help because he was been a pretty good defender for them. And I was quite surprised to see that one go through. So they've lost him. But they brought in Johnny Evans, and you know that, that I think that'd be a pretty decent signing for them. You know, he's been at United for a lot of years now, and you know two seasons ago he was one of their most regular defenders. So he's obviously had a good you know good education there under Ferguson and since then with Van Gaal. So I think he could be a good sign but certainly they've got a sharp shop at home yeah but they were confident after getting that first win of the season Southampton they also got their first win of the season last time out again a match affected by a red card early on 31st minute same minute actually um, Stoke had their second man sent off that one Norwich they were on top before uh, sorry uh, Southampton they were on top before that before Whitaker got sent off the Whitaker sending off you'd also say was a bit soft like the two Stoke benefited from stupid from him you'd have to say two yellow cards in the space of four minutes both for tackles he could have avoided incidents he could have avoided it was soft but it was silly from him to get sent off and from that point on there's was, there was only really one winner Southampton it was one way traffic Alex Neal said after the game that Norwich didn't deserve anything out of the match Southampton finally made the breakthrough on the cusp of half time with Pele's good strike and then Tadic who, who had a really good game got two goals Pele um, his header for the second one was unfortunately not to score himself so they'll be pleased that their attacking players are starting to hit a bit of form it was a good good result for them finally got that first win of the season after a, a pretty un, inauspicious start considering how well they did last season so to get that burden off their back that'll be a, a big plus for them I think certainly yeah but we talked about West Brom there like needing to sort out their home form but with Southampton if they're going to 
get anywhere near how good they were last season. They've got to, they've got to play better away from home. It's now no wins in nine away from home. You know, stretching back to last season, that's a run that goes back to early February. So they've really struggled on their travels. You know, in the last sort of four months or so. And I mean, Pele especially. You know, he, he did impress. You know, on the whole last season, he scored 14 Premier League goals last season. But only two of those came on the road. And you know, he scored. You, you said there he impressed last week, but that was again at St Mary's. He's got to do the business more on the road. It's always tougher for a striker. You know, you, you're going to get less chances. You're going to see less of the ball when you go away. But Pele's got to find a way to sort of get in those positions and score more goals away from home because two out of 14 that's not a good enough ratio last season away from home to home goals so he's got to sort that out but yeah the away form is big for Southampton if they're going to get anywhere near last year's 7th place, place finish yeah the big reason behind that 7th place finish was the business Coman did in the window obviously they lost a lot of key players last summer and then brought in some new ones like the likes of Pele who did really well throughout last season this time around I think they've done well to to hold on to some key players obviously they've lost Klein and Schneidlin don't think there's much they could have done about them and they were too arguably two of their best players last season so those are big blows but they've kept Wanyama be interesting to see sort of similar situation to Berahino it's interesting to see if he starts uh, this weekend because he was left out against Norwich because he wasn't fit mentally to play over the um, there's talk of him trying to force a move out they've kept him and it's important if he can knuckle down and become uh, uh, committed to the team again he's a very good player for Southampton particularly with the loss of Schneiden he becomes even more important and of course they brought in Virgil van Dijk there was no uh, big blockbuster signing until van Dijk on the last day I think it was the second biggest move of deadline day after Martial to Manchester United he's he should give him a lot more at centre-back he's he's quick he's powerful he's a very good player Celtic I think if they got Champions League group stages he would have stayed there just for the Champions League but for Southampton to get him, it's a, it's a good signing, I think, and he'll he'll offer some good competition at centre back, mm-hmm. and he can even play in defensive midfield if needs be. Say if Wanyama doesn't start, he can push up forward there. I think that's a really good signing, and then the likes of Cedric and coming in, I think they've had a good window overall. So yeah, the two sides here who both picked up their first uh, first win in the season before the international break. You see either making it back to back wins. I think I do. It's quite a tricky one to call it. I never like backing against the Pulis team because especially at home you think the organisation but Southampton I think they'll take a lot of um, confidence from that win before the international break I think I can go for a 2-1 away win in this one Yeah I really can't separate these two sides I think West Brom surely they're not going to keep conceding this many goals at home that they have been so I think I think this could be quite a tight game we're going for one or draw so got one Southampton win and a draw Onto the standout fixture of the weekend is Saturday evening showdown between Manchester United and Liverpool the biggest game in English football Start with the host, Pascal, and their bizarre dealings on deadline day. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, De Gea to start with, you know, really just so odd the way the whole situation worked out because, you know, I think, you know, if, if you're going to sell him and, you know, you know Real Madrid would have been interested all summer long, why not just say to them, you know, in July, that this is the price we want, take it or leave it now because we're not going to budge on it till August. You know, I think, you've, I mean, I'm sure they probably did try something like that, but you've got to try and force it better. Surely you have to, you can't leave it. And so it's just this complete mess on deadline day where, you then right, suddenly agree to the deal, and then the paperwork, you know, f- falls apart. I'm not sure. You know, Madrid said it was United's fault. United said it was Madrid's fault. It's just so bad to let, why leave it until the 11th hour like that. It just makes no sense at all for me. When, especially when you've been leaving him out of the squad, and you know that he he clearly obviously wants to go. If you've been leaving him out of the squad, it's not like a player. Say like I know John Stones. You know, if you compare it to that, how he he, he supposedly wrote this transfer request that he might not have meant but even then he's still playing for the team and playing really well for Everton you know De Gea's obviously not got that frame of mind where he, he could really still do it for United but now he is there and you know I mean if I think if they got, if they got Kayla Navas as part of the deal that would have, would have been a really good deal because I think he's a good goalkeeper Navas and certainly would have been a decent replacement but it didn't go through and now he's there and now he's you know now he's got to play because if he doesn't he'll lose his place in the Spain squad United are hoping that they can sort of leverage him staying now with a new contract it's all just it's all gone really badly for them and then you look at the player they brought in uh, Martial you know 36 million or whatever it was on a teenager who's you know hasn't played that many games in his career and you think I mean it's 36 million is a lot of money I thought I thought 60 for Di Maria last year I thought that even even though that's so much more money he was one of the best players in the world at the time and you look at 36 for a guy who not not many people have really heard of to be honest and you think he's not going to be the sort of player that's going to be you know, starting all the time for them at the moment, he's going to be kind of you know bred, and hopefully he'll sort of come to the fore a bit. But all that money on him on the on deadline day it just felt a bit desperate. When you probably say they didn't need a player like that, you know, and it's just a, a really bad day for them. I thought you know the whole De Gea thing, and it just didn't work out at all. Yeah, for me, Martial is smacks of a panic buy a bit from them. I think 
their uh, troubles in front of goal in the first few games of the season. They needed a striker. Marshall's not really an out-and-out striker either, so to spend that much money on a 19-year-old, I think he's only played about 54 professional games of football in his life, so for £36 million to be spent on him, it's a, it's a ludicrous sum of money, to be honest. But he's been linked to Thierry Henry. If he turns out to be half the player Henry that does, then it'll turn out to be a good piece, piece of business for Manchester United. But... At this moment in time, it just, it just seems so much money and there's so much pressure on him now. Be interested. I'd be surprised if he starts this weekend. I think he might come off the bench and certainly be a baptism of fire against Liverpool mm-hmm. in such a big derby match. Uh, but yeah, a lot of money to spend on someone who's very unproven at the moment. As I say, they, they probably bought potential rather than actual ability right now and time will tell if he's worth it, but it is a lot of money. I think the match against Swansea may have panicked them a bit more into uh, buying a, a striker because... 2-1 that one, they lost that one, a third consecutive loss to Swansea, Rooney started up front again um, in that game and again he just he just wasn't really at the races, he, mm. he's obviously broken the record now for England which is, should give him a big confidence boost but we thought he'd get a confidence boost after that hatching against Club Bruges, mm. leading the line he just hasn't really performed well enough this season, talk of him moving back to number 10 role, he's probably better in that role but even in number 9, he is a he's a good striker, he's shown he scored plenty of goals down the years he's got Manchester United's goal scoring record in his eyes now that he's broken Charlton's England one so he should be able to get the goals whether the likes of De Gea and Marshall start this weekend will be interesting but the De Gea question again was raised after Romero's mistake against Swansea just a really disappointing result it was the first defeat of the season to be fair to them the first goals conceded of the season in the Premier League so we shouldn't we shouldn't be panicking about their chances just yet because they have started the season fairly solidly. But it was, it was a really poor result for them, especially to blow a lead like they did. Mm, and I think they've got a really big month coming up now. This game, obviously at home to Liverpool, is one of their biggest games of the season. Then three of the next four in the league are away from home at Southampton, Everton and Arsenal. So that's a really, really tough month for them. And throw into that the fact they've got Champions League group stages starting as well. I mean, they did get a pretty favourable draw in the Champions League compared to... When you say like City got Juventus, Arsenal got Bayern, so they did get a decent draw. But you know all that European football coming back as well, and you know I think we talked there about you know their sort of you know a, a tough away games coming up. But they've been you know sort of a bit dodgy at home recently as well because they've only won one of their last four Premier League games at home. That was the one against Spurs on the opening day when they were far from convincing in that one. And you know they certainly need to improve their home form because before that they'd won six in a row at home at home at Old Trafford last season they were brilliant for the most part but they've started this season fairly slowly at home so that's one area they've got to put right in the tough away games coming up the Champions League it looks like a really really difficult month for them coming up yeah obviously this is the biggest of the lot probably United versus Liverpool United will hope obviously they lost last time out Liverpool lost their first game of the season last time out in even worse circumstances really at home to West Ham who they haven't lost to in I think it was 52 years or something like that since the days of Martin Peters and Jeff Hurst for West Ham to lose 3-0 at home and West Ham they started obviously well against Arsenal but then they lost against two teams they probably would have expected to beat so for Liverpool unbeaten up to that stage hadn't conceded up to that stage to lose so convincingly 3-0 at home such a disappointing result obviously Coutinho getting sent off only exacerbated that situation personally I think that was a a bit of a harsh ending off I think he just got outdone by a bit of skill on the uh, um, by Paye on the turn on the second yellow card I don't, there was no malice involved. I think. I think he could have. You can see why the ref gave a second yellow card, but I think ref could have applied a bit of common sense there and easily let him get away with it. But yeah, a, a really disappointing result. Liverpool would be desperate to bounce back. Uh, that that obviously came at home. They've been decent away from home. They gave Arsenal a really good game, nil nil in the end at the Emirates, and they'll be hoping to reach those levels again against Manchester United. If they can create those chances, they can cause a few um, problems for United. I think. So they've been decent away from home, but if you look at the record, it's only one win in seven Premier League away games. That was the one on the opening day at Stoke, where they weren't at their best. It was that Coutinho brilliant goal that settled it for them, and before that, they'd won five of six away from home. So they've certainly certainly sort of uh, you know slacked away from home a bit and you look at their deadline day they, they didn't really do anything they haven't actually signed anyone since Benteke so it's been a fairly quiet window they lost Barini to Sunderland that was about it really sort of in the final few days of the window but they were hoping sort of mention Benteke he's scored in his last two against um, United for Villa so they certainly hope that you know he can have a good game but I think you know Coutinho suspended obviously after that red card I think he could be a big loss for them so I think the way it's going for Liverpool, that obviously, like you say, it was a worse. I, mean, I know they both suffered their first defeats, but the one to West Ham certainly felt worse than the one to Swansea for United because Swansea, you know, had have been really good at the start of the season. So interesting game. Yeah, which way do you see it going? Uh, I'm gonna have to back the home side. I think I just I, like Liverpool. That that defeat to West Ham really, really surprising. I know, sort of, you could probably argue that the international breaks come at a good time, given two weeks off after that break. But I think United. I'm just gonna pick them to win this one two one. I think a lot depends on 
whether the Gea starts for United. Obviously, in the fixture last season between United and Liverpool, United won three 0 and but but for De Gea it could have been three all quite comfortably. He saved a lot of chances. If he does start, is his head going to be in the right place? There's a lot of questions over this one. I, I, it's, a lot will depend on the team sheets and how both teams bounce back. Personally, I think I'm going to go for a draw in this one. I can see a few goals despite a decent um, uh, clean sheet record at the start of the season for both sides. I think I'm going to go for two all. So going for one draw and a Manchester United victory. Okay, so no surprise there that Liverpool fan Barney picks them to get a draw at Old Trafford. Uh, moving on to Sunday's games where Sunderland take on Spurs. Barnes, both these sides still looking for their first win of the season. Spurs have drawn three in a row, last time out goalless at home to Everton. Yeah, and that's a game they really thought they should have won because they had the chances to win that game twice over. Howard was man of the match for Everton, made a string of really good saves. Mason, Chadley, both tonight. Kane had the best chance of the lot through on goal and his struggle has obviously been well documented so far at club level. He's been failing to replicate last season's form. But that Everton game, there was just the cutting edge was missing. They they were missing something that they had last season. They would have probably won that game last season. I know they fell short of their goals last season, but those were the type of games with the chances they might have been taken away. And to have made gone uh, without a win for the first four games of the season, really disappointing start for them because they would have had ambitions of maybe challenging the top four again, certainly getting into the fifth and sixth. And it's a very crowded place that in, the, in the top half now with the likes of Stoke, Palace, all improving. They're going to find it tough to hold on to those sixth and seventh places, fifth, sixth, seventh, long, with Liverpool in there as well, and Everton doing quite well so far this season. So they, they need to get that first win under their belt soon. They'll be confident they're getting it here, but the sooner the better for them because even the draws they've had so far have been pretty disappointing. Yeah, and you mentioned there's sort of there does seem to be a lot of teams ready to challenge them for that sort of top six spot, and now they you know as of next week they're gonna have to start juggling the Europa League as well, which makes it even more difficult. And you know, looking at their sort of deadline day business, they didn't well, they didn't really do anything on deadline day, did they? they lost uh, Lennon to Everton, but you know the Berahino thing was the big thing. Could they get him? I mean, for me, I mean, I know they kept going in with I think it was four or five bids they made in the end, but. But to pay more than twenty million for Berahino is just madness for me. You know, I know that an English player basically puts on basically ten million onto the price tag, but for them to keep going in for him like that, they couldn't get him. I think if they had signed him, he would have been a good good backup to Kane. They certainly you feel they need someone to back up Kane because, like you said, he hasn't. He obviously did did arrive for England um, over the international break, but he hasn't scored yet this season for Spurs and. You know, if Berahino had come in, he would have offered a different option. You know, they brought in uh, Son from Bayer Leverkusen, but whether he he would probably take time to adapt to the Premier League, you know, most players do. So it's, it's I think it, now they haven't got Berahino. It's about Kane, you know, firing sooner rather than later because they need to start scoring goals. Yeah, Kane's the big the big um, target man for them now, isn't he? He's the man they need to start firing. I think the the spell with England should give him confidence. Both started both games off the bench, but came on and scored in both of them. The one against San Marino, okay, it is San Marino, but it was on a tricky pitch. It was it was a confident finish for him. Mm. He certainly didn't look like a player who was lacking confidence. He's been saying all along he doesn't lack confidence. He's not really much of a confidence player. He's always got uh, confidence in his own ability, and it looked like that the way he was playing for England. Whether he can replicate that at club level, I mentioned that uh, miss against Everton, that's one he certainly would have uh, tucked away last season, he would have done it with his eyes closed. So whether he can replicate that England form at club level is now the big thing for him. If he can, then Tottenham will start obviously moving up the table, start getting some wins because if he if he was on form in the Everton game, they would have got a victory there. You'd see him getting one, two chances a game and he'll tuck some of those away. But at the moment, even in the England games, he just looked a bit too eager to get the goal. He's shooting from range, which he never really did. He saw, saw him as more of a penalty box striker, mainly last season. But he's every time he gets the ball, he's turning and shooting from range, just rushing the shots, which isn't something we saw from him last season. So he's, I think he's very keen to get that Premier League duck off his back. And if he does that this game, then he can move on to bigger and better things, I think. Yeah, but if there's one team to score against, it's bottom of the table, Sunderland, worst defence in the league. So yeah. this does offer him a very good chance to sort of, you know, like you say, break that duck. But Sunderland, very poor start to the season, wasn't it? You know, losing those big defeats to Leicester and Norwich. But since then, if you include the League Cup as well, they're unbeaten, a draw, a win and a draw. And last time out, they go to Villa and get a two-all draw. Yeah, it's an OK result. Villa, one of those sides that you'd probably expect to be sort of battling relegation this season. And I think the big thing for Sunderland was two new signings getting on the score sheet as well. And Villa opened the score with a great free kick from him. I didn't know he had that on his locker, to be honest. I thought he was a sort of defensive sort of anchor man, but it was a great free kick from him. And then uh, Lenz getting the other one as well. He was their sort of big money signing this summer. So it's always, I mean, we talked about Kane wanting to get his first goal of the season, but it's even more important for new signings to sort of get their first goal and especially a, a, an attacking player like Lenz. So that was good for them to, you know, you know, get, get a draw there, but they are still sitting bottom of the table and defensive struggles as well. And you just wonder if they have got quite enough 
this season because the start hasn't been great. Yeah, and there's another new sign in, Toivonen, who set up Lens for his goal as well. So he impressed them with Barini back from Liverpool. They should have more, more of an impact in the final third now because Barini, he really impressed um, season he was on loan from Liverpool. If he can replicate that form, he'll go a lot, he, he went a long way to helping Sunderland stay up that year. He'll go a long way to helping stay, Sunderland stay up this year. As you mentioned, defensively is where they need to improve. Ten goals in the first four games. Thorns conceded more. Yedlin they brought in. He can't play in this match against his parent club, but he might help out that. I think they looked a little bit more organised against Aston Villa. Still, obviously, conceding two to Villa is not very good, but they looked a bit more organised. They looked a bit more putting more effort in. One of the goals was a penalty, which Catamol, who's been pretty poor so far this season, gave away. If he can start playing, giving his defence a bit more protection, they'll be confident of solidifying that area of the team, and then they can start to build, I think, and maybe start picking up some points. It's a big game, this one, too, the sort of most out-of-form sides at the start of the season. Which way do you see it going? Yeah, I think this might be the one Tottenham get their, fir uh, their first victory of the season. I think Kane will take confidence from the England one. I can see him getting on the score sheet in a 2-0 win for Tottenham. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Kane... Like you say, I, I was really impressed with both finishes in the two England games that he played. And I think, like you say, I think he'll break his luck here. But I think it could be a really tight game. I'm going to back Spurs to win 1-0. So, both see Spurs winning this one. On to Sunday's other game, which is Leicester host Aston Villa. Pascal, will start with the visitors. 12th in the table after two-all draw with Sunderland last time out. Yeah, I think that was a game, certainly, that they would have wanted to win. You know, Sunderland going into that, you know, they're still bottom of the table now, Sunderland. And for Villa to only get a draw there at home, it is a disappointing result for them. And it's now no, no Premier League winning three after they won at uh, Bournemouth on the opening day. And... Yeah, certainly a disappointment. I know they did well after, you know, they fell behind very early on to that. It was a great free kick from Villa and then Scott Sinclair, you know, gets both goals, you know, good for him. But and then in the second half to not really push on from that and, you know, conceding them. I mean, it was slightly unfortunate the way Sunderland's second goal went in with that deflection that sort of just lifted it over Guzan. But it is a disappointing result for them and 12th in the table. So far this season, haven't really seen too much to suggest that they're not really going to be battling relegation. Yeah, they, they let Benteke go, obviously, in the transfer window. I haven't really replaced him with a, an out-and-out -out striker. Defensively, they brought some reinforcements in, which I think could prove decent. Lescott, I think, is a re really shrewd signing. I'm surprised West Brom let him go, because he had a decent season last season, and under Pulis, he's the sort of player who can really keep, help them keep clean sheets. So I think his experience, his know-how, that's going to be vital to the Aston Villa defence, which is quite young at the moment, especially since Ron Vlaar left in the summer as well. Thiago Alori, he's, a, he's another young one, comes in from Liverpool on loan. There's a lot of anger from the Liverpool fans that he was allowed to leave. He hasn't been given a sniff in the Liverpool team he joined for a lot of money and they, people thought he had a lot of potential thought he might sort of slowly come into the team but he's been put out on loan put out on loan and then at the end of this loan he's got the option of joining Villa on a permanent deal so if he impresses which the general feeling is he might Sherwood's been saying he's after him for a long time and he's seen a lot of potential in him so I'd expect him to get quite a bit of game time I think those could be two very shrewd signings at the back for them yeah, and they'll also feel that almost, not Jack Grealish is a new signing, but he hasn't really played this season, Jack Grealish. He could be back fit for this one, which is a boost for them. Uh, Traore missed the game against Sunderland as well, and he was he really impressed me. That The way he set up the goal against Palace, I know they ended up losing that game, but his just raw pace there, he just breezed past two defenders. He missed that last game, but he should be back for this one. So if both of those come back, that's certainly two exciting players to come back, because like you say, they haven't really replaced Benteke with a sort of out-and-out -out striker. And I mean, I know Sinclair's doing brilliantly at the moment, two against Sunderland. He scored three in the League Cup before that, so he's got five in two in all competitions. So he's looking really good for them. So if Sinclair can keep up that form, Grealish and Traore come back, they're certainly three very exciting players. But it's just, you know, it's about whether those three, you know, they're all quite sort of, you know, small players, whether over the course of the season they can sort of, you know, do it against all the, all Premier League defence. I think it will be a struggle for them. But if they, if Sinclair keeps going the way he's going, he could be really good for them. Yeah, Sinclair's the informed player for them. Uh, Mao is the informed player for Leicester. They've made a really good start to the season. He's been central to that. Didn't score last time out against Bournemouth. That was Vardy. Earned his place in the England squad and uh, scored the equaliser from the spot. Could have had another penalty later on against Bournemouth as well. I think for them, that would be a bit of a disappointing result considering how well they started this season. They would have earmarked a game against newly promoted Bournemouth as a chance to get another three points. But... All told, not too bad a result considering they were trailing going into the final 10 minutes. They'll be happy to rescue a point from that position. As I mentioned, they could have had could have had more if the late Vardy penalty was given. Probably should have been given in fairness, but then they were a bit fortunate not to concede a penalty at the other end a few minutes later. A bit fortunate not to see Robert Hoop sent off for an incident involving Wilson and then Mings as well. So it was a very incident-packed match. A point apiece, neither side will be too delighted with that, but 
Leicester, I think they'll take it because it's still unbeaten. It's been a fantastic start to the season and it's all positive around the club at the moment under Ranieri. Yeah, definitely. I think the way they started the season, they probably would have gone to Bournemouth and thought it was a chance to get a win. But even though they didn't win, they're still sitting third in the table. So it just shows how good a start it's been for them. And, you know, deadline day for them was fairly quiet. But they did bring in uh, Nathan Dyer on a season long loan from Swansea. And I think that's a great signing because uh, he sort of was struggling to get a look in at Swansea because they're doing brilliantly as well. But I think given how well he's done for Swansea sort of last two, three seasons, he's, he's been a really important player for them. I mean, I've never been that convinced just on sort of the eye test, just watching him. I think, you know, he, he never looks that good, but he, he seems very important the last two seasons for Swan, last two seasons for Swansea. He's come up with important goals, delivered great assists for them. And he's certainly, I mean, the way he's going, I think he might struggle to get in the team because of the likes of Albrighton, Myers, like you said, they're both playing really well. But I think I'll be surprised if Albrighton keeps up this form for much longer, I think. He, he might dip soon and that will give Dyer a chance and he could certainly come in and make a difference and apart from that I think Ranieri's basically got a fully fit squad there to choose from apart from uh, Matty James he's out on the treatment table but apart from that fully fit squad to choose from they look really strong at the moment and if they can keep picking up points like this game at home to Villa it's another very winnable game for them if they can keep picking up points they'll be sort of edging further and further away from sides like say Sunderland who are really struggling and considering I thought Leicester at the start of the season would be They'd really struggle so far. Third in the table, they're looking great, and if they can keep picking up wins and just pulling further away. They might just, you know, be not secured relegation, but really have given themselves a great chance by, say, you know, Christmas time. I'll certainly be favourites going into this match. Which way do you see it going? Uh, I see a draw in this one. I think Leicester, even though it's been a fantastic start, I think they will, you know, go quiet. I, th- I can't really see them keeping up this sort of, you know, top three form for much longer. I think they will sort of drop back down towards the bottom half, and I'm going to pick a two-two draw here. Yeah, I agree that Leicester, their form's got us uh, tail off somewhat. Obviously ended the season really well last season, started mm. this season really well. I don't think this is the match that's going to tail off, to be honest. I think Aston Villa at home, they'll be confident in getting three points. I can see them picking up a relatively comfortable 3-1 win here. So we're going for one comfortable Leicester victory and a draw. OK, split on Sunday's second game. Let's go to the final game of the weekend on Monday night as West Ham entertain Newcastle. Barnes-West Ham before the international break, spectacular 3-0 win at Liverpool. Yeah, historic day for the club, that one, I think. uh, 3-0 winners at Anfield, a ground they haven't won at in over 50 years. You know, their record there was just terrible in the intervening years. So to go there and and run out such convincing winners as well, not just the fact that they got the three points, the way they did it as well, will go down in the club's history, really memorable day for them. To win at any um, opposition ground in the Premier League is tough to do, but now they've done it at the Emirates and Anfield this season. Really good, promising away start to the campaign for them. The Anfield one probably surpasses the Emirates one, considering the 3-0 scoreline and the fact that they hadn't won there for so long. So probably the finest hour for Billich in his short West Ham career so far. But they would have, the downside to that was Noble getting a red card, but obviously that's now been rescinded, rightly so, because it was a, a terrible decision from the referee, never a red card in that one. Other than that, pretty much all positives from that one. The international break may have come at a bad time, they would have liked to build on that, but there's, there's bound to still be good feeling around the club, because to have, to have lost the two home games against Bournemouth and Leicester, really disappointing after that Arsenal victory, but to have bounced back against Liverpool, it's been a very strange start to the season, really, two wins they wouldn't have expected, two defeats they wouldn't have expected as well, so mixed, but the, the confidence will be flowing certainly after the Liverpool result. Definitely, that was a great result, and then since then, deadline day was a day that really pleased the fans. Four new faces came in, Mikel Antonio, Victor Moses, Nikichi Jelovic, and they got Alex Song again. I think Song will certainly be a great, the fans are really happy with that one, because he really impressed last season. They got him again, and I think the other three, really good as well. I mean, Mikel Antonio, he's a brilliant, been brilliant in the championship last season for Forest, and even the start of this season, he was so important to them and Forrest to lose him is a real blow for them but West Ham is a plus for them and interesting to see how he adapts you know to the Premier League I think obviously Matt Jarvis he left to go to Norwich so he'll sort of fill the void there but Moses is a winger as well you know Victor Moses signed was it a new five-year deal at Chelsea but he hasn't really played for Chelsea was it you know he's been at Stoke he's been at Liverpool he's been at you know different clubs down in sort of the last couple of years and Jelovic I think that's a good backup striker to have I'm not sure Jelovic will necessarily come in and start because they've got Sacco Valencia I mean, Zarate, Carroll, they've got some good strikers up there. I know Pae plays just off the front. So I I think it's great options and certainly a very exciting day on deadline day, West Ham, wasn't it? They were sort of the most active club and you have to say that all four new signings look pretty good and certainly strengthen the squad. And yeah, I think West Ham, you know, sitting eighth at the moment, they should be maybe pushing for a top-half finish this year. Yeah, you mentioned Zavate there. He might be back for this game, which would be a boost for them as well. He scored, obviously, against Arsenal in that opening day victory. And it's that away form that I mentioned already at the Emirates and Anfield getting those victories. That away form could be key for them. I mentioned in the last video whether Bilic's side would be better against the big teams and better away from home the way they set up. So far, it's proved that way. And I think if they can keep that up, it's obviously going to give the fans some, some great days. But they need to... 
the matches they're expected to win, such as this one, they'll be favourites going into this one at home to Newcastle, such as the games against Leicester and Bournemouth that they've already lost. They need to start picking up points at home and, and in the games they're expected to win if they are to fulfil their ambitions of top half, as you mentioned. They should be. They've shown against Arsenal, they've shown against Liverpool. They can beat the best teams in this league and they've deserved both of those victories as well. They play really well in both. They need to replicate those performances against the lesser teams now if they're to push for European football, which I think they're capable of this season. Yeah, it'd be interesting because obviously this game against Newcastle, very winnable, but then next they've got City away. I mean, if they, mm. their first three away games, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, if they win all three of them, it'd be incredible. I mean, even if they lose to City, you know, City doing brilliant. Six out of nine from those three is a fantastic achievement. But back to this game and Newcastle, they'll certainly... Yeah, West Ham will start the game as favourites. Newcastle sitting 19th on the table, only rival Sunderland below them. And last time out, you know, they hosted Arsenal. A very difficult game, you know, before the international break. Arsenal, I know they haven't, they haven't started the season that well, but it was never going to be an easy game for Newcastle. But they didn't make it easy for themselves. Mitrovic, you know, who'd already been you know, booked twice in his uh, within a couple of minutes of his first two substitute appearances, he goes gets sent off. A rash tackle from him, you know, early on. So that makes the game very difficult. I know that in the end they, they only lost to that uh, Colaccino in goal, but... Arsenal were always, you know, knocking on the door. They they controlled the game, the whole part of the game. And that's just not what you want to do when you're at home. You don't want to just sit back. And they, they were forced to sit back for the rest of the game after that red card. So disappointing defeat for them. Like I said, sitting 19th in the table. And but it has been a tough start for them. They went to they had Southampton, Swansea, uh, Manchester United, and Arsenal as their first four games. And you know, Manu and Arsenal, two of the most established names in the league. The way Swansea have started the season, that's a tough game. And then Southampton how good they were last season. So it has been a really tough start for them, but this is maybe a chance to get their first win here. Yeah, that Arsenal game, it was just one-way traffic from start to finish, even before the red card. But the thing that will worry McLaren most is the discipline inside showed they completely lost their heads in the first half. They could have had more men sent off than Mitrovic. Sissoko was a bit fortunate to get away with another a stamp, which was relatively similar to Mitrovic's. You can see the referee's decision only to give a yellow card there. I agreed with that one, but there was... There was a number of challenges, and Cochrane in particular was on the end of a few nasty challenges, which could have resulted on another day, a stricter referee, in a few more red cards. They could have been down to nine, maybe even eight men in that game. And they got they picked up so many yellow cards, and it was just the way at, that game was going. Just They needed someone to grab hold of the players and say, calm down. The referee took brought Colaccini over and told him to uh, tell his players to calm down. They did manage that a bit in the second half, but in the first half they just lost their heads a bit. They defended well, you've got to give them credit for only letting in one goal and that being an own goal when it was just just relentless pressure from Arsenal throughout the whole match. But that discipline, it's been a problem for Newcastle yeah, over the over last season it was as well a bit and McLaren needs to stamp that out I think. Deadline day, I think they would have expected more from their, um, to give them a boost as well after that Arsenal defeat. They went after Charlie Austin by all accounts, especially with Mitrovic suspended. Now they could have done with another striker, couldn't get him, so that would be disappointing as well. I just feel they need something to give them a boost. Certainly, and I think when you compare just how much good business West Ham did with Newcastle, certainly two sort of clubs in different moods coming into this game. What's your score prediction? Yeah, West Ham. I'm surprised at how poor they've been at home and against the lesser teams. If they perform anything like they did against Arsenal and Liverpool, I can see them winning this one. And I'm going to back them to do so. I think two two nil to West Ham. I think. Yeah, I'm going to back them to win by two goals as well. Like you say, I think surprising to, for them to lose both their previous home games. And I think they'll win this one three one. So both picking West Ham to win this one by two goals. That's it then. Ten games covered. Thanks for listening. Make sure you head to sportsmall.co.uk throughout the weekend for results, reaction, and much more. We'll see you again next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.